0: Great. Well, we're continuing in our kind of studies, our kind of reflections on the Bible book of Exodus today. Uh, we're in chapter 12 and chapter 13. That's on page 68 and page 69 of the church Bibles. If you want to get hold of one, uh, we'll be in this story. It's called the Lord's judgment, the Lord's rescue and the Lord's people. Uh, now last week, while well, you're finding that, last week, uh, Mary and I, and maybe you did too, uh, we watched a TV drama documentary. It was a kind of film based on a true story. Uh, it was about uh, uh, an Eastern European woman who was trafficked. Did you say any, Maybe you saw that. And after I saw that, I said to Mary, well, why, someone needs to do something about this. This is appalling. A, it was a horrendous story. And, and it was true. Uh, Last week as as well, I think uh, we were talking and uh, I think they've discovered mass graves in Mosul, haven't they? And, you know, following the ISIS. And and you think, this is awful. How could this happen? Uh, I had a WhatsApp from Angela as she went to one of the internally displaced people's camps in Iraq this week or last week. And, and she, the, these are refugees who, who don't get help from the UN and so on because they're in the same country that they were in before except they fled from ISIS. And, and you know, she was sharing some of the, the distress she felt seeing this. And you think, why, why doesn't God do something? We often ask. Ever asked that question? We see evil and we think God should do something. Where is God then? And, and we have this sense in ourselves, don't we, of, of what's evil. And actually it's interesting that even people who aren't Christians or particularly religious still have a sense that what's evil God should do something about and therefore that what's evil is, is against what God would want. And so actually in that very action we already show that we're kind of in line with what the Bible suggests or declares that things that are wrong are out of line with what God wants. That's why we want him to intervene. So already we've revealed that actually we're thinking evil is about what God doesn't want. And today as we continue in this story of Exodus, there's been a great evil going on. The Israelites are in harsh slavery. As we've seen, uh, and you can uh, listen online if you want to, or just read the last few chapters, it's been a horrendous kind of conflict, a battle. As the, the government in Pharaoh, as the whole of Egypt symbolized by Pharaoh, refuses to do what the Lord says and the final showdown comes. And and this now, as we're going into chapter 12, is the final showdown. This is what happens when evil gets dealt with. This is what happens when we get the answer to the prayer. Why doesn't God come and God do something? Well, Exodus 12 is about God coming And God doing something. Let's read some of it. We'll start actually in Exodus chapter 11 on page 68. Verse 4 and 5. Remember, there's already been a a kind of... As we saw last week, God had said what he would do. Moses has said to Pharaoh then in verse 4. This is what the Lord says. The Lord says, about midnight, I will go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die and so on so where we got to last week one final terrible plague you see what's happening as well this isn't moses praying and god doing something this isn't moses saying i'm going to lift up my staff this isn't moses or aaron picking up a pile of dust and throwing in it and it becomes nasty. now this is god saying pharaoh uh, sorry uh, moses and aaron this is not you this is me i'm coming i'm arriving The living, holy Yahweh Lord is going to stride through Egypt on a certain night. And it doesn't look good, does it? Let's read some more about what happens in chapter 12. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, Each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight... Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water. Instructions about cooking it. And then verse 10. Do not leave any of it till morning. Uh, You must burn it if you do. Verse 11, this is how you're to eat it, as we heard earlier, with your cloak tucked into your belt. This is a supper meal, as Lou was saying. Your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste, it is the Lord's Passover. On that same night I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. And then read on. Let's go down to verse 21, which tells us that Moses did that. He summons the elders and he tells them what to do. Tells them to paint the blood on the doorposts and so on and so forth. And then says at the end of verse 22, none of you shall go out of the door of your house until morning. When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and sides of the door frame and will pass over the doorway. And he will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. And then verse 29. At midnight the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne. To the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon. And the firstborn of all the livestock as well. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night. There was a loud wailing in Egypt for there was not a house without someone dead. And during the night Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites, go. Worship the Lord as you've requested. Take your flocks and herds as you have said and go and also bless me. And it goes on to explain that the Egyptians urged the people and they say go. And so verse 34, they took their dough. The people of Israel take their dough before the yeast was added. They carried it on their shoulders in kneading troughs wrapped in clothing. The Israelites did as Moses said. And verse 37, they travel from Rameses to Succoth. There were 600,000 men on foot besides women and children. Many other people went up with them and also large um, flo- flocks and so on. Um, when the dough of the Israelites had been brought out from Egypt, they baked loaves of unleavened bread. The dough was without yeast because they had not been, they'd been driven out of Egypt and did not have time to prepare food for themselves. Key verse here, really, is chapter 12, verse 12, down at the bottom of page 68. Because what happens when the Lord comes? Three things. You need to hear all three of them. The Lord comes with judgment. See that in verse 12? I will pass through Egypt. I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. When God comes in judgment, the consequences are terrible. Appalling, aren't they? It's a shocking account of a horrendous evening in Egypt, to put it mildly. Remember what it was like when Moses first met God? He met, or he met God, or he heard the voice of God. The symbol, the kind of symbol of his presence was what? Fire. Burning. Burning in a bush that wasn't consumed. Do you remember Moses' reaction? He was terrified. He was afraid to look at God. He hid his face. He realized that something was really wrong with him. And he couldn't face the holiness, the burning holiness of the Lord. So this I am, this Lord is holy. To go against him and what he says is not good. Back in the Garden of Eden, uh, our first parents were told, if you they were only told one thing they couldn't do. And they said, if you do that one thing, the day you do that, you're going to die. Death will result of your rebellion against what I want for you, says God. And there's that fiery angel guarding the way back after they're exiled from that place. Romans 6 verse 23 says the wages of sin is death. And once I am, once the Lord arrives in Egypt, who then can possibly survive? Are the Israelites any better than the Egyptians really? We're all as guilty as each other, aren't we? We're guilty of that fundamental rebellion. We may not be as bad as Pharaoh, we may not be as bad as the people who said of the Lord Jesus, We don't want this man to rule over us. But we've still got it, it's still in here. If God comes to put all evil right, then we're in a bit of trouble, aren't we? So the Lord comes with judgment, but more. The Lord also comes with Passover. Chapter twelve again, verse twelve and thirteen. That key verse: "I will bring judgment." He says, "I will pass through Egypt." I'm coming. Yeah, I'm going to come and do something. He said, "I'm going to pass through Egypt. I'm going to bring judgment." But he says, the next uh, page at the top there: "I will pass over you." You see, the Israelites are given a way to be kept safe. From this terrible judgment. And we read about it in the first part of chapter 12. What they're supposed to do. To select a really good lamb or a kid. uh, A goat. A baby goat. Make sure it's a really good one. And then slaughter it. Paint the door frame. Strange thing to do. But paint the door frame of their house with blood. Cook the meat. Eat it together in a certain way. Stay inside. And they would be safe. As the Lord passed through in destruction, he passed over them. Why? Why was that? Was it because they were Israelites? No, I don't think it was, really. It kind of arose out of it. Was it because they lived in Goshen, the Israelite territory, where the plagues didn't fall, uh, as we read from about the fourth plague on? No. Was it because they were really great people? No. It was because the lamb had died instead of them. That was why. That was the point of the, of the doorposts. The lamb had died instead of them. See, every household in Egypt saw death that night. But in some, it was the lamb who had died and the family lost nobody hold that thought see the God who comes in judgment is also the God who makes it possible for us to be safe from that judgment because the third thing about how the Lord comes is that the Lord comes in rescue we read that here the Israelites are released They've trusted God. They've done what he told them to do. They'd eaten in their traveling clothes. And it's really fascinating if you look through the the beginning and and the rest of this narrative. There's this sense in which they do this as a whole community. But each one has to make sure. Each household. Even if they were a little small household. You know, single parent family or, or whatever. Uh, they, and they, they, you know, they couldn't eat, they could never eat a whole lamb. You know, that would be too big an ask or maybe another. So they were supposed to club together with their, with their neighbours and, 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 and eat it so that, so that they all, each one, participated. But they did this as a whole uh, community. So they had to make sure they did it. And so they leave Egypt. Slavery is ended for them. And it's sudden. It's decisive. It's unmistakable. It's now. <laughs> it's get out. As soon as, as, soon as the, the, you know, in the middle of the night, as the cries go up in Egypt and uh, Pharaoh sends for Moses, he says, That's it, go. I, I don't want you anymore. Get out of here. Or the whole lot of you, just go now. And so they do that because they've already got their traveling clothes on. They haven't had time to cook their bread properly, so they've just got kind of bits of the you know dough that would have pre-proven, I suppose, or or the yeast hadn't yet been added. They didn't have time to kind of get to the first stage for for um, risen bread, as you know. Bread, is, well, you may not know, bread is quite a big deal in parts of the Middle East. It's yummy, you know, bread, and and uh, it can be really nice and fluffy. In fact, they think bread was invented in Egypt, actually, ancient Egypt. People think. And so, bread's a big deal, but they can't have their fluffy bread because they haven't got time to make it properly. They've got to take the old dough they've got, not the old dough, but the dough they would then use, they take it with them because that's how they're going to kind of continue to feed themselves on the way. God does something. He brings judgment on sin and evil. He enables a way of safety from that judgment through a lamb who dies as a substitute, as he rescues them once and for all. And more than that, God tells them that this is like a new beginning. That verse 2 of chapter 12. This month is to be you, for you, the first month, the first month in your year. It's a, like a, the first month of months. It's a, it's a decisive, this is your, you know, this is the, the future kind of starts here, says God to the Israelites. It's a really important time. It was a new beginning. Their future year, each year would start with that point. And each year they were to eat the same meal to remember what had happened. And that's what Jewish families still do today, isn't it? At the Passover meal. To remember how they were saved from destruction through the death of the Lamb. And how they were rescued and released from slavery. See, they were to remember the event, to remember what God had done. But there was something else too, which we don't have time to to go into or even read today. But you can read about it in chapter 13, uh, verse 11 onwards. Uh, throughout this passage there's kind of a, there's a descri- description of the event, and there's also a kind of instruction on how to celebrate the event. You get the two things running together in these passages and so the, the Israelites told you remember this event as you begin your new life in in the promised land. this is the key thing you've got to remember it. Come back to it every year. Tell your children, uh, you know, remember that you went, went in a hurry. That's why you don't have, you know, leavened bread for a week because, you know, when you went out of Egypt, you didn't have any, any yeast left. So you were eating flat bread till it got going again, kind of thing, So you could cultivate your own uh, yeast and so on. Uh, they had to remember that event. But also, uh, when they got to the promised land, chapter 13 tells uh, them that they have to do something else. That reminds them of the impact that this event has had upon their lives. They're told that every firstborn male, animal or human, were to be for God. Because God had rescued them, God says, you need to remember that you belong to me now. You're my people. You're, you belong to me. And that meant that when, uh, in, in, in the future, as you read it, when uh, firstborn animals with the firstborn were, were sacrificed to the Lord, as, as, as a sign of that, of the significance that they belong to God because he'd rescued them. And he said, actually, it's true of your sons, but don't, you don't sacrifice your sons. That was absolutely forbidden. No human sacrifice. Uh, uh, that, that goes right back to Genesis 22 and Abraham. That's not God's way at all. He provides another way. And so uh, when firstborn sons were born, the family would uh, would get, you know, buy an animal or or have an animal and sacrifice the animal instead but the point was to help them realize that because God had rescued them they belonged to him that was the point let's go back to that question why doesn't God come and do something to sort out sin and evil well some of you'll be thinking oh well yeah you know what I'm going to say now but It's still worth stating, isn't it? There was a time when God again passed through our world. Not in judgment, actually. This God, as he came into our world, actually said, I have not come to judge the world, but to rescue it. And this man, Jesus Christ, was identified by a prophet, John the Baptist, on at least two occasions as the Lamb of God. He told his disciples that he had come to give his life as a ransom, a payment to get people free. There was a time when he died as our substitute. In 1 Corinthians 5 verse 7 it says this, Christ our Passover lamb was sacrificed. You see when Jesus died on the cross, judgment hit the earth again. And the only son of God, the firstborn over all creation, as Colossians describes Jesus, died for us. He goes through the separation from God on the cross as he cries out in agony. Not just physical, but spiritual, emotional, mental as he experiences complete and total abandonment by God. As he experiences the judgment that we all deserve. And he explained this when actually he had Passover with his disciples. That, that Jewish meal they carried on and they were, they were having the meal when Jesus was around. And he said to them on one occasion, uh, the last time he had Passover with them, he said that his body had been given for them. He says that his blood was spilt for them, for you, for us. There was another new beginning, he said. This is a new covenant in my blood, says Jesus. As he shares that uh, communion meal with them. So that's why we celebrate communion. To remember what Jesus did for us. like The Israelites were meant to remember what God did for them in rescuing them. But we don't celebrate what God did in the past for Israel, but what he is doing in Jesus for everyone who believes in him. What does that mean? Well, the Israelites had to opt in, didn't they? They had to eat the meal. As Lou made it very clear earlier. It's very helpful. I enjoyed that. That's great. They had to eat the meal. They had to paint the doorposts. They had to do what God said to be safe. And in the same way, we believe in Jesus. We act on him, act on what he's done. We welcome him. We turn from our rebellion against God. We turn from our sin and we simply trust in his protection, his provision. We turn to him. And just as the Israelites were never to forget what God had done for them, And that they belong to God. It's the same for us. Let's read. I've got time. Yeah, we're doing okay. Um, We've got a deadline this morning. So we're we're going to 1 Peter 1, verses 14 to 19. Can I? Oh, that's good. I got it straight away. Uh, Page 1217. That's in the New Testament of the Bible. This is the Apostle Peter. Remember the follower of Jesus, uh, Peter. The big mouth, but good guy. Um. Look at verse 14. Peter is talking to um, scattered communities of Christians all over the uh, part of Turkey. And he's reminding them of what it means to belong to Jesus and why they belong to Jesus. And, and as he, you, uh, he's, he's talking about how they should be kind of living. And, and see if you can spot the connection back to Passover. Verse 14. doesn't mean terror it means respect for God and living his way honoring him a kind of honoring rather than a terror if you see what I mean verse 18 for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from your empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors but with the precious blood of Christ a lamb without blemish or defect See the connection to pass over there? See what Peter's saying? We live differently because we belong to him. We've been redeemed. We've been ransomed. So we live the new way. God has done something. Why doesn't God do something? God has done something. And he will ultimately wind it up. He will deal with evil one day the Lamb will return as as King and Judge. It's fascinating. There are only, I think, about three references in the New Testament to Jesus as the Lamb. Two from John the Baptist. Uh, 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 yeah, the one here and there's one in 1 Corinthians. That's four. Uh, in the book of Revelation, there are about 27 references to Jesus as the Lamb. Because uh, as everything is wound up and as things are seen as they really are, which is another way of understanding what revelation is about the lamb is seen to be the one who uh, both was slain because he talked in revelation i must watch the time i'm just diverting a bit here but in revelation you read of the lamb who was slain he's still his wounds are still visible in heaven in the picture of heaven or god's presence which we have in revelation but he's also the conquering lion the lion of judah And the lion and the lamb come together in Revelation. And they come together because that's the point where God finally sorts everything out. Through Jesus, who went through the judgment so that we could be rescued. Amazing, isn't it? I've heard people who have known—maybe you have—I wish I could remember, and I didn't have time to get a clip or something. People who've known how special and amazing uh, the sacrifice of another person has been made for them. Maybe by—I don't know—I think I've heard people who've who've maybe a child has been lost, and an organ has been donated, or, or something like that, or soldiers who've who've lived because someone has made a great sacrifice in war, and and the person has said, "You know." A day doesn't go by when I don't think of what that person did for me in rescuing me or, 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 or sacrificing or doing some... Have you heard that expression? Have you heard people say that? A day doesn't go by and I don't think about them. Well, that's how we should be about what God has done for us in Jesus, isn't it? Are you like that? Am I? Not a day doesn't go by when I don't think about what he's done for me other people realize that the sacrifice people made is so important that it actually affects their behavior bit of a weak link to today but they wear a poppy (laughs) it's only a little bit of behavior but because they realize this was so important they want to respect they do something differently even people like me who you know I've, I've changed my behavior a bit in that regard Is. I've come to see from others how important it is to people what has been given. So are we like that with Jesus? We be, do, you know, our, is our behavior, does our behavior change in line with what we understand about what it means to have been rescued like that? We've been rescued by Jesus. We belong to God. We owe everything to him. How different is that going to make us? I wonder. Something to ponder. And if you're sitting there thinking, you know, maybe I haven't really yet believed. or Well, you simply ask him for his forgiveness, his presence in your life as you turn to him, away from the old ways. If you want to talk to someone or pray with someone, there'll be some people here afterwards, down here on the right, to pray with. Let's continue as we are in his presence of the lamb who was slain for us.